Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Again, really. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of your Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. This is Matt Sagner, joined by Ron Kopp Jr., as always, here with another non-victory Monday conversation. This time, the Chiefs travel to Tennessee only to walk away with a 27-3 loss that I'm calling the Tennessee catastrophe uh, against the Titans, where, you know... Not a whole lot went right for the Chiefs, so we understand. I think that's where we want to start off this podcast is we're with the Chiefs fans. we got a lot of questions uh, that have the same sort of exacerbated tone where we just don't exactly know where to go with this uh, or, or where, to, where, where to start with this team. Ron, I know you're feeling that way. Uh, any, any words of advice for Chiefs fans? I feel lost right now. This was just so unexpected in terms of, Hey, when I first started writing at AP, uh, my first year was a Super Bowl year. I just never honestly thought we would ever have to deal with talking about a 27 to three loss, you know, a loss that bad again in the Mahomes era, unless Mahomes was hurt or something. So guys, we're all friends here. This is a safe circle. We're all Chiefs fans. We've been through the mud. Let's just talk this out. We're going to talk this out. You know, we're going to say stuff that, you know, maybe we regret later on. We're going to say stuff that, Maybe is, you know, we're fit. It's an emotional thing to say. We're just going to talk it out. Okay. I hope you guys are, appreciate us talking it out. We appreciate your questions. We got a lot of them. And uh, Stags will take it from here. But yeah, let's just, let's just talk it out, guys. This is a safe space. We're just going to talk through a miserable time to be a Chiefs fan. I actually find a little bit of uh, dark humor in the questions that you all asked this week. So uh, let's just read through a few of these. Uh, James, uh, I'm not going to read his Twitter handle. There's a whole bunch of numbers in it. James says, I mean, in all seriousness, what the damn hell? And then Andrew Jarosh, quick question. What the hell is wrong with this entire team? <laughs> JS, uh, JS uh, Schweitz on 98 on Twitter. Um, WTF, Trash Panda, why are we trash? Beware of the fog. Who stole my football team? That's, I like that question. Uh, Andrew, three questions here. How, why, what? Annie Barney, why? <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining a, a tone on that one. Uh, Jake Stomakowski, um, do we have to play the rest of the games? Christian Gummiger, is this team hashtag good? Uh, Derek Bacon, I don't have any questions. I just need to cry and be my be by myself for the rest of the season. So, again, Chiefs fans, we hear you. We're there, too. I've had people asking me in the last 12 hours, you know, what, what happened. And it's kind of hard to put your finger on what actually happened in this game. I thought 
this team had hit rock bottom in the first half of last week's game, and the trajectory was upward from there on out. Uh, well, it's clear that, that I was wrong in that because we, we definitely had a new rock bottom set this week. The, the path upward feels a little bit more nebulous. It feels steep. It feels like we are climbing a literal, you know, brick wall, you know, without any help, without any, you know, uh, tools to get up, um, you know, uh, just hands and feet, you know, no shoes either, just bare feet, bare hands, trying to climb up a steep wall. Uh, man, I it, it does not feel great right now. It just doesn't. The weird part of it is just it doesn't really feel like there's much to like drastically change. And I know we're going to get into it, but like this team just isn't playing. No one is playing really that well. And and I know there are some highlights and we'll get into it, but it's just this team was constructed and rightfully so, I think, as a Super Bowl contender. This team, a lot of the same players on this team have won a Super Bowl before. And now they just look like a like a like the first year together, and they're just all you know. None of them are gelling together. I know there's some units that are new, and but it's just it it's really kind of unexplainable, like you said. It it's it's a lot of just you know the coaching mishaps. You know these little one play here or there, just putting in the wrong person. You know just just not getting plays open in the passing game. There's just so many things that just like are uncharacteristic, but they, but obviously over the season, they've become characteristic of this team, but it still feels uncharacteristic because we've seen this mostly the same team win a Super Bowl, win two straight AFC championships, go to three straight AFC championships. And they're just, it's just not coming together. And, and it's just, it's very hard to explain right now why, but we're going to try our best. Well, you, you wrote the article about Andy Reid's quote where he said he's seeing things that he's never seen before. And I think if you make that quote without any context, a lot of a lot of people probably assumed on Twitter that he meant the team, the the opponents are throwing things at him that he's never seen before. But really, what he was talking about there were just players not doing what they're capable of, what you expect them to do, what they've done a million times before, are just making mistakes that they normally don't make, not making plays when they normally would make a play. Um, you know, did you did you gain anything else from Reed's uh, quotes there? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think what he was referring to really is just the fact that his players, these elite players, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you, and we'll get into the offense here. I, I guess it's probably a good lead in. I think he was kind of hinting at the fact that Mahomes just is not playing at the level that he has expected him to play and has seen him play. Hundred percent. I think he. I think he was kind of hinting at the fact that. You know, and and I think Andy has some blame for not opening up. I think I think you could see it, like the, the play, plays just weren't developing, and and they weren't getting open. And I and I think that has something to do with Andy. But I also think Mahomes just is not comfortable right now, and just is not playing well whatsoever. He's not playing like an elite quarterback right now. And and hey, I'll still take him over every other quarterback in the league moving forward in terms of you know building a team around him and all that. But right now, there's a a, a strong handful of quarterbacks that are playing better than him right now, maybe even more than that in the NFL. And I think that's what Andy kind of is me. Andy kind of means, you know, Mahomes has always been able to overcome whether it's bad play calling or, you know, players aren't getting open or the line maybe being a little, you know, underwhelming, which they were today or yesterday, but he just hasn't been, he just hasn't been able to overcome that stuff because he's not playing well himself and, and it's making the whole team, look a lot worse than, than they probably should be. And, and that's just the truth. 
Yeah, let, we had a lot of questions about what's wrong with the offense and who's to blame. Marcel Goldberg, who's to blame for this offense scoring three points against a defense that was depleted by injuries? And you're right. The matchup was good here for the Chiefs offense. There's no reason why they should have performed as, as badly as they did. Steve Williams points out, are Chiefs fans really too blinded by the defense to realize the offense is terrible? Who should be held accountable? They have a top three quarterback. Wow. He even said it right there, not <laughs> top one, top three quarterback, uh, top three wide receiver, number one tight end, a talented offensive line, and everybody's underperforming miserably. Uh, Morgan says, is the big issue with the offense still turnovers, uh, protection issues for Mahomes? Seems like he's panicking. Uh, B for real, public patriot says, uh, how is it that a too high safety defense completely shuts down this offense? Tyler Moody, le- legitimately. What's the issue if it's if it's offense one week, defense the next week? Do we really think this can be fixed? You're right, though. I think we have to start with with a, a frank conversation about Patrick Mahomes. There's there have been good moments this season. Uh, there have been stretches where this offense was super efficient, but when they lose, it's largely because of him. And 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 this this week, you can absolutely say that this, again, was the worst game of his career. Um, He's not comfortable. It's interesting to me, uh, I'll start here, that the media narratives have largely been about him pressing too much, about him trying to make big plays. While that's probably a little bit true, I also think the opposite is, is true and maybe more of a problem. He feels a little snake bit. I think he's he's acting like he's gun shy and he's hesitating more. He's not going to his first read. He's hesitating. Um, he's not firing the ball out with you know with with a level of confidence that you're used to seeing from him. And I think that little extra hesitation allows the pass rush to get there, allows the defenders to close on on these uh, uh, on these playmakers that the Chiefs' offense has. He's not comfortable, and he and I think that the fact that he's pressing at times is grabbing the headlines, but I see this gun shy, hesitant, you know, trying to avoid interceptions on some of the plays this week. There was, there were plays where he would throw the ball at the feet of the receiver. He's either so far off on his accuracy that he's doing that on a regular basis, which I don't think is necessarily the case. I think he sees that flash open. He sees a defender in the vicinity and he doesn't want to get it picked off, so he throws it at their feet. Um, so I feel like he's feeling snake bit with the interceptions because some of them have been very bad luck interceptions, and that's made him gun shy, which is an even bigger problem now. Yeah, it's all led to him just looking uneasy as he drops back, and and the main thing with that is pocket presence. He's just the line didn't play well against Tennessee. There's no doubt about it. But he also did not help them whatsoever with some of his reps in terms of, you know, the first sack of the game on the first drive of the strip sack. Man, Brown gets beat around the edge. And yes, he does. Brown does get beat around the edge. But Mahomes just completely ignores the wide open pocket he has to step into where Brown was kind of taking his guy away from me. And and you got to help your tackles out like that. You got to move into open areas of the pocket and kind of maneuver it. And if you see on that play, Kelsey's actually breaking open over the middle. And if, if Mahomes would have just kept calm, you know, stepped up where he needed to 
and kept his eyes downfield, it would have been a first down, I think, easily because um, Travis was separating as soon as he was past the first down marker. Um, and, and the other ones, too, you know, there's other and I could go on and on, but I'm, I'm going to try not to go play by play on you guys. I just it, it is very obvious that he's just not comfortable in the pocket right now. And maybe that's just trust in the O-line. And that's, you know, hey, that's that's something that's growing pains with the new offensive line. And I totally understand that. But if you really are the best quarterback in the league, you know, t- you know, the elite of the elite, you know, you make up for that stuff. And, and we've seen him do it in 2018. I mean, they did not have a great offensive line either. And, and they and and I, you know, and, and I don't want to say like this line isn't great. I think this line's played well mostly this season, uh, mostly in run blocking. I think pass protection has been a little iffy, but Mahomes has overcome this stuff a lot more than he is this year in the past. And he's just it's he's kind of just making it even worse on himself all the time by the way he's managing the pocket and and kind of breaking down his footwork and not keeping his eyes downfield. It's really not it, he just really doesn't look great right now. And and I know it's crazy to say cuz for most of this year he had really historic numbers. The offense was historically efficient. But the turnovers and the pocket presence at the worst times is is really what's killing him, and that's almost some of the most important things. Like you'd you'd take less efficiency if it meant that he was making plays in the right moments on third downs. You know when there's pressure. You know not making it, not turning turning the ball over. Even though like we all know it's not all Mahomes' fault in the turnovers. It's just not going well. Going well in terms of the plays he needs to make on third down. Like I said, and it's just. It's pretty crazy. I'll, you know, we'll go into some stats real quick, and I'll let you react to these. But first of all, that was the lower pass, lowest pass rating Mahomes' career in one game, and two of his three worst pass rating games have happened uh, this year: the Bills game and the Titans game. So that's in his entire career. Also this year, he has the lowest QBR of his career, the lowest pass rating of his career, the lowest yards per attempt rate of his career, and also the lowest attempted air yards per attempt per career. And I know that's a little more obvious with defenses playing the way they are, but it's just, it's, it's, it's been statistically all of a sudden one of his worst years, although it, it didn't seem like that a couple of weeks ago. Now it is. And I think that's the main problem right now. If your elite quarterback isn't playing like an elite player, then that's just going to have a trickle down effect on the rest of the team. And it's not going to look great. Yeah. They can overcome some things. They can overcome that lack of a true number two wide receiver, right? When, when Mahomes is playing well, he's distributing the ball. You know, Pringle gets open, gets a play. Hardman gets some plays. There's, They've got things that they can overcome. He can overcome even mediocre protection, uh, but they can't overcome Mahomes playing bad. It's just not going to happen. That's that's yeah. the one thing that will sink this team 100% of the time. If Mahomes plays bad, it's over. The def- They can yeah. overcome bad defense. They can overcome, you know, uh, you know, a lot of things. They can overcome two to three turnovers a game, not four. Mahomes playing poorly sinks this team every time and it's and it's mind-boggling and just demoralizing to see it happen because it's not supposed to happen. What the the combination of stats that blew me away here when we were prepping for this was he's got the highest sack rate of his career combined with the lowest pressure rate of his career. So thinking that through, he's under pressure less than ever but but taking more sacks than ever. To me that means more panic that the pass protection has not been as bad as it might appear. He is, is just not manip- not moving around the pocket the right way, not getting the ball out on time, whatever it is, that stat, that combination of stats along with the, the yards per completion being uh, dramatically lower, especially this week 
dramatically lower. Uh, so he's throwing a lot of underneath stuff, not getting not getting the ball down the field like he, like he normally would. Those two things I think are are really, you know, along with the turnovers. Those are that's what's going wrong with Mahomes. How do you fix that? I I have no idea. Yeah, and no one does, no one has the answer to that because this isn't supposed to be happening. <laughs> You, you don't expect a quarterback who won his, an MVP award in his first season as an NFL player, looked debatably even better his next two years, is all of a sudden going to look like this in his fourth year starting. It, it really is just kind of unexplainable, like we already kind of said. And it's, it's, just not, it's just not something you can say like, oh, this needs to change. You know, hey, I can say he needs to be better in pocket presence. I can say he needs to, you know, uh, get quicker to his first read or just, you know, throw it without hesitating a little more. But that's not, those aren't things that are just like in the film room you see and you correct right away. Those are mental things that are happening in the moment that are making him less confident in his abilities and just the offense is overall, you know, the plan, the game plan. He's just apparently not as, you, you can tell he's just not as confident in everything going on right now. And so that's why maybe we can transition to the coaching. You know, the coaching now is just, I, Mahomes, is, is not playing well. There's no doubt about that, but it just doesn't seem like Andy Reid is, is, is helping him out really at all with the game plans either. And I know, and I know you mentioned some of the questions we had kind of uh, went into that a little bit, but man, Andy, Andy Reid, where are these play designs that are beating these coverages? I mean, you're, you're the offensive genius. We need to see a little more creativity in terms of, in terms of plays that are beating, you know, you, we, you're, you're say, facing the same defense, over and over. And Mahomes said that in the postgame. The Titans played the same defensive coverage they played against the Bills. No surprises or anything. And, and you know, hey, he could have just said that, but I think that's true. And it just didn't – Mahomes didn't make one big play until, like, garbage time maybe. There was not one big play in the, in the structure of the play, in the design of the play. There was maybe a play at, right at the beginning of the second half, a 23-yard catch by Pringle – that was out of structure. Mahomes scrambled left and found Pringle. There was not one big play made within the play of within the play design by, in, in the passing game, and that's on Andy. And I know we've said that Mahomes is, is being a little gun shy too, but I just think if the guys are that open, he'd be throwing them, and and they're not getting open. And and as much as that that's on the receivers too, I think that's got to start with Andy. I just think he's not designing plays right now to to affect or to counter the defenses they're seeing and. Man, that's that's unacceptable too. You're supposed to be a great play caller, and it just doesn't seem like he's being very good at play calling lately. I, I it's it, it's just the fact. It's just the truth. Yeah, the questions we got on this, Mike McKinney at Montana McKinney asked, "Has Andy Reid lost his team?" Austin Smith says, "When will the coaching staff and the front office take accountability for wasting this much talent?" You know, I'm starting to lean towards the coaching staff being a bigger part of this issue. Obviously, we just talked about Mahomes. Um, is something they can't overcome. Mahomes at times has been able to overcome bad coaching decisions, but but usually it's because even if the 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 coach isn't being aggressive, he can take a non-aggressive play call and pick the most aggressive read in the most aggressive option in that uh, in that department, and and he he will make it happen. The coaching staff, to me, is failing because. Like you said, a number of players are playing beneath their potential. The, the scripted part of the plays, the 
the first few series where normally Andy Reid has it dialed up in a way that gets them off to a good start uh, seems very predictable, and they've been getting in massive holes early on, uh, which just affects their ability to run the rest of the play or the rest of their, their game plan the way they want to. I found myself after this game wondering, what was the game plan going in? Because I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see this is what they were trying to accomplish, and the Titans took it away. I didn't see this is how they the Chiefs planned to dictate the pace of the game, or how the Chiefs planned to 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 punish the Titans for what they were trying to do. In years past, you saw the Chiefs' offense out in front of, of what the league was doing, and everybody else was reacting to what the Chiefs' offense was doing. They were the first to really go through the the crazy motion with Tyreek Hill. They were the first to really get RPOs integrated in a way that, that the rest of the league wasn't used to seeing. I feel like the coaching staff and this team as a whole are, pl- are on their heels reacting to their opponents this season, not dictating anything, offense or defense. And it, and it puts them behind the eight ball. And then you have to, you know, expect something dramatic to happen. Uh, that's just not happening for in order for them to win. So where is the game plan? What are they actually trying to do, you know, put a different way? What can they hang their hat on going into to any game and say, we're going to do this until you stop us uh, because we know you can't stop us. I, I'm not seeing that. Yeah, no, that's a great point because I, if you look at the last three weeks, each week the offense has come out flat. Um, the offense has just not really gotten anything really going right away. And that's, that's when it really is coaching because the coaches are putting together game plans, especially at the beginning of the game to start off hot. I mean, that's every team, you know, that's, that's a basic football fundamental is you start off the game strong and, and kind of, so you can dictate the way the rest of the game goes. And like you're saying, not have to react. So that's, that's, there's no one else to point, put it on, but the coaches in that, in that sense, in terms of not getting them ready to to come out strong and play well at, right out the gate, you know I can you know hey the defense has played better in the second half you know uh, the, the offense played better against Washington in the second half, yeah that's all good that's fine but they need to come out strong in the first half and I think the, the it, it's just it points right to the coaches just not preparing them well enough and I I think that combined with players not playing to their ceilings it's just become a total disaster I mean it, it really disaster is really a fitting word right now for how both sides of the ball are playing I know we're kind of sticking specifically to offense right now but yeah, yeah here, I just here were the the eight drives on offense this week punt punt interception fumble field goal this next series I want to talk about the missed field goal turnover and downs fumble that's that is the that's the game flow for this offense um they were out of it before they, you know, before before halftime. Obviously, they were out. Of, they were out of it in the first quarter. Like this game was over. And I think a lot of the issues you saw later in the game, where people like to point out, oh, so and so wasn't trying, or or they weren't, uh, uh, you know, they gave up on the play. I mean that this game was over really, really early, and it was because that that offensive se- sequence where it was punt, punt, turnover. That, that's the pattern. And then another pro- promptly another turnover right after that. It is, it is jarring to see. Um, and then I alluded to this just a second ago, but when I try to put things on the coaching staff for this game, 
the sequence that sealed it for me, and I put this in the winners and losers this week, is they get into Titans territory. It's fourth and long. Um, they don't have a lot of good options, right? But on fourth and long, they run the punt team out. The punt team runs back off the field. The field goal team runs out. Then they call a timeout because they weren't prepared and the clock was running down. Then they go ahead and try to kick the field goal, but it's a 57-yard field goal that had no shot uh, of, of being made at that point. Uh, and even if they make that field goal, they're still down three scores. And, and so they miss the field goal, they're down three scores. They make the field goal, they're down three scores. So a, a punt was probably more productive than that than that mess uh, of a field goal attempt. And and it just made you say, you know, what are you doing here? Like why why that just is all time not just bad decision, but just ineptitude. Like to not have the the team to know whether you're going to punt or kick a field goal, you know, in the first place is, is a failure to waste a time out there in the second half is a complete failure. And then to go through that whole exercise for nothing uh, is just baffling. And, and that's, that's just a sign that it's just kind of a, a disarray that starts with the coaches. It absolutely does. No, I, I think that's a great, situational kind of example where they're just not really playing or coaching well in terms of in-game scenarios, in terms of managing the game. And Hey, you know what, to be fair, I don't know how many times Andy has been prepared to, uh, to figure out what to do when he's down 25 points with a Mahomes led uh, chiefs team. I just, or 24 points. That's, that's really what's blowing my mind. Honestly, it's just, I, I just, this team is just not supposed to be just not competitive in a game. I mean, even with Alex Smith, they were always competitive. I mean, there was a few games here and there, and and this game actually reminded me if for my uh, before Mahomes Chiefs fans, which I hope most of you are, uh, 2016 Pittsburgh went to Pittsburgh. They were down, I think, 29 nothing at halftime. It got to 36 nothing before the Chiefs finally scored a point. It kind of had a similar feel uh, as as that game, and and I just you 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 can excuse that when when you have Alex Smith as your quarterback, but. For for Andy Reid to not be able to 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 lead his team to be more competitive than that against the Titans team, a Titans defense that's just been awful this year against any the Jets put up twenty six points on this defense and they and the Titans defense was healthier. I mean the Titans defense was a lot healthier against them than it, than they were against the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I just you I, I think Andy always has the cliche where hey it's on me it's on me you know he says that after every big loss he he's not lying this time and he's not really just like saying it to say it. I mean I think he knows that he's not doing good enough. I'm and and you think he'd already have known that and and something would have changed and I think. Maybe we'll see a little more drastic changes moving forward because this is as embarrassing as it gets in terms of a loss. But at the same time, he said this before and, and you know, it hasn't really necessarily changed. Um, you know, he kind of he's kind of that coach that just likes to do his thing. You know, he doesn't like trying to switch it up game to game, depending on the opponent. He likes to attack defense is what he wants. But we need to see we need to see a little more creativity, a little more. You know, um, creativity in the first game or in the first script, the first 15 play script, too. Just this, this, this team. Just overall, just everything needs to get better. And and you can hear me just kind of being like going over over my head, just like man, there's so many things wrong with this team right now. It seems like it's hard to cover every one of them. But it starts with uh, Andy Reid. It just starts with him. He needs to he needs to do a better job. 
It absolutely does. And I think you've seen the defense attempt to make more adjustments than you've seen on the offense. Other than swapping Niang out for, for Remmers, this offense hasn't done anything different. Um, they've, they've sort of taken a step back for, from creativity. They are not really using the talent that they have. I mean, their game plan really does seem to be let's force feed Kelsey and Hill and hope for the best. And, and it's, there, there's more to it than that. You know, obviously uh, teams know that that's what you want to do. And you've got to have an answer for that. And, I, and I'm just, just not seeing enough, not just answers, but again, I want to see that innovation that forces the defense to respond to what you're doing, not vice versa. Um, I, I'm tired of this narrative that te- defenses are taking away the deep stuff and forcing the Chiefs to throw it short. And and that's that's limiting what the Chiefs do. Uh, the defense should not be dictating what this offense does. It's too talented. They're too good. They, they've rebuilt the offensive line. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But they've got the skill players, the quarterback, the coach, the offensive line, the whole package on offense to where they should not have defenses dictating what they can do and forcing them into unwinnable situations. Because that's the thing about football, X's and O's, and you know this better than I, Ron, is that there's always a counterpunch. There's always a weakness in a defense. Uh, there's a weakness in every coverage. There is a weakness in every uh, package, personnel package they put out there. Um, and it's after one week of a team playing uh, a surprising amount of, of two deep safety coverage, uh, I'll, I'll give you a pass. But this can't be the, the answer this whole season to say, yeah, this offense just isn't as good because defenses are, are taking away the deep stuff. That can't be the answer. No, I I love the the phrase you put there where the defense can't dictate what the offense is doing because that's so true. The offense is the one that knows the play, right? Like the offense is the one that before the snap knows what they're about to do. You, the defense is the one sure? reacting. Are you sure the <laughs> offense is the only one that knows the play? Because it sure seems like the Titans had a pretty good idea of the Chiefs' offensive playbook this week. I know, and 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 – that's the thing. You're right. Like, if anything, the offense not only knows the play, they know what the defense is doing, too, at this point, because defenses are doing the exact same thing over and over, like we've already said over and over again. And yeah, there's just there's just not they're not creating big plays. Mahomes has made a few big play, uh, you know, in Tennessee specifically, he made a few big plays, but they're out of structure. Like, it's just it, it's it's a combination of both, obviously. But like. Mahomes is still, you know, Mahomes has been struggling a little bit pocket present. That's kind of been a thing all year. Andy's just got to like, Andy's got to fire up the the game plan and the playbook and kind of make up for it a little bit. And he's just not, he's, if anything, he's just making it worse. I know we're oversimplifying this, Ron, but Ron, you're, you help coach a high school football team. If you're facing too deep coverage, where's the weakness in that? Underneath. (laughs) Or to intermediate throws, running the ball. (laughs) <laughs> or is yeah, there not no, an opening and, in the down the seam uh for for a talented tight end yeah absolutely no exactly and and did we see any vertical routes with kelsey i mean the only routes i saw from kelsey from the broadcast angle were short to intermediate yeah maybe some over the middle but nothing attacking vertically that middle of the field that's that's vacant and so yeah you're right and and that that's just andy man i i i don't know i i just don't know how i can 
you know, you can't blame Mahomes for that because I don't know. I, you can hear me getting at a lot loss of words because like, <laughs> yeah. it's just crazy. It, it's just this offense is playing like it's their first game together. You know, it, it's like the week one, 2018. This is what you expected to look like. You, you can't expect this after three years of the success they've had. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling. And it's, it's going to take a, a strong look in the mirror for all of them to, to really, you know, they kind of, you know, they just need to change a lot. They like, in terms of not like what's who's on the field, I'm t- talking every individual player needs to change their effort, their mindset, whatever, and just play better. Cause that, that's really what it is. And, and that's, and that's what the coaches too. The coaches need to coach better, you know, design better plays, look harder at the film, I guess. It just, it, it seems like they're just not doing that enough. And it's, it, it really is mind boggling. All right. With that, um, <laughs> we have no answers here, folks. I think you can, you can tell that uh, there is, because there's no obvious answers for this team. I, I've equated it to whack-a-mole in the past because it seems like it's different problems popping up, uh, different players failing in different ways against different kinds of teams. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. Um, when, when Mahomes is not playing well, when they're turning the ball over, it, it's not going to matter. Yeah, no, it, no, it is not. And, and nothing about this team right now is really calling being a Super Bowl contender. I I'll say it straight up. I mean, if, 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 if this team doesn't look, I mean, this team isn't making the playoffs as the way they're playing right now. I, I'm the type to still say, Hey, we've seen this team do it. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to say they're not going to make the playoffs until they're actually eliminated from playoff contention, but there's no denying that the way they're playing right now. I mean, that's not getting you anywhere. I mean, that's, you're not getting, you're not winning a playoff game. You may not even get there if you continue to play the way you are right now. Not making the playoffs, maybe not having a winning record. We just went through the the rest of the season. Chiefs have 10 games from here on out. Our best prediction was six and four, maybe five and five. And that would put the Chiefs at a at a nine and eight or an eight and nine record, depending on how optimistic you're feeling. That's obviously way below expectations for this season, and it's probably going to have them out of the playoffs either way. Yeah, it's 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 not looking good, guys. They do not get any easier of a schedule going forward. They have to play Green Bay and Dallas, who are I know Green Bay hasn't been super impressive this year, but they're still a Super Bowl contender. They still have Aaron Rodgers, still have great weapons on offense to take advantage of the defense. Cowboys have just been a juggernaut this year, in my opinion. I think they're I think they might be the Super Bowl team in the NFC. Um, and and yeah, towards the end of the year, you still have two games each against the Raiders and Broncos, which divisional games are never a shoe in, even if you think they're playing better than the Broncos right now, or or I think the Raiders are playing pretty well, but and then think about the Bengals too. They play the Bengals on the road later in the season. It's 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 not it's not exciting. You know, 2015, they had a very ugly stretch of a schedule down the down the road. You know, they played a lot of backup quarterbacks, played a lot of injured teams. This year it is not that is not the case and you know, may I know teams could get injured from here on out, but it is not the case. They have played a tough schedule so far and they're not it's not really getting any easier. And that's what really makes this discouraging because they have to get better. They can't just kind of play and and run into weaker teams and win those. They have to actually like physically, literally get better somehow to win more than five or six games the rest of the season. And that's it's just mind blowing to say that this team, like, mo- if you're gonna bet on money, if you're gonna bet money on this team, what the record's gonna be. 
the safest bet, the the best or the lowest odds right now is probably like nine and eight, nine, like you said. I mean, that's just it's crazy. It's it's crazy that we're here right now. It's just I can't fathom it. You pointed out that they've played all of the AFC contenders and they've gotten progressively worse results um, each game as they've played through that that gauntlet of a schedule. It is it's been tough uh, from a schedule standpoint, but all of those teams have also had a tough schedule because they're playing the Chiefs who are supposed to be at the top of that heap. So uh, that that's not an excuse to say that they've been through a tough schedule. Uh, but the fact that they're underperforming and steadily getting worse against those top uh, contenders tells you all you need to know about where the season's headed. Loss of the Ravens by one. Loss of the Chargers by six. Loss of the Bills by 13 or 14 or so. And then lost by 24 to the Titans. I mean, it, it really is. You know, you'd, you'd like to see that the opposite way, maybe. Hey, you know, maybe week one, you, you get blown out because, you know, you just get outmatched right away and you get progressively better. Nope, this team is getting worse as the season's going. And I think I just, in general, I think you can tell, like, man, they it's not like they were playing awful in those first three or four weeks, especially, you know, when you include the Eagles game in there. It was just a lot of bad turnovers. Now they're just playing bad, just straight up. I mean, the offense especially. It's not about the turnovers anymore. It's about them not executing and not getting anything going. Um, you know, even the Bills game, how rough was it for them to get up and down the field at the beginning of that game? I mean, they they kicked a field goal and scored t- a touchdown the first half, but it was very ugly how they were getting yards and, and success. So, yeah, this team's just – it. this team's getting worse almost, and there's just not really a reason to be confident that it's going to turn around in the season. Real quick, a couple of uh, touches on the defensive side of the ball. Most of the questions that we got there were about big picture changes, looking forward, um, you know, coordinator uh, concerns, um, GM concerns. So we'll get to all that right after the break. Um, but in this game specifically and in all of the struggles the defense have had, has had so far this year, a couple of common themes that I, I was uh, noticing – uh, the coverage obviously has not been good enough. Uh, the opposing quarterbacks are able to get the ball out really quick, uh, which is negating any pass rush success that they could have had. Obviously, the pass rush hasn't been good enough. But if you watch closely over the last couple of weeks, Jaron Reed's getting to the quarterback. Frank Clark's getting to the quarterback. Chris Jones is getting to the quarterback this week. Um, but the, the ball's out, and, and, and they're not having a chance to, to close there. And – that just tells you that there's enough open receivers. And we saw it in the Buffalo game where there was three, four receivers all open at the beginning of the play. So the quarterback has all the options in the world on who they want to throw it to. So the coverage breakdowns have been really frustrating. Again, we know there's some limitations on a couple of the players, but they have some options. They have guys that can cover. Yeah, no, well, that's the thing is is at first it kind of started – that that quick those quick passes started because they were actually open, right? And you know the, the coverage was actually broken down, and the guys just weren't near the receiver. But now it's getting to the point where the quarterbacks are knowing that these cornerbacks aren't good enough, even if they're not open right away. I'm going to throw it, and that's what you saw uh, with Tennessee. And you know it didn't it didn't always work out. Uh, you know they actually held them to a field goal because of a quick pass and a breakup by Fenton. But on the second touchdown. Tannehill is throwing to A.J. Brown in the end zone. And Mike Hughes, you know, when he throws it, Mike Hughes and A.J. Brown are are right next to each other. It's not like Brown has a separation right away or anything. 
No, he but wasn't even all, even. I think I think Hughes was actually ahead of Brown at the point where yeah. he yeah. It's so not yeah, and, and that it's a, <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, and 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 that's what that, it tells you that the offenses are are making a point to attack these cornerbacks, no matter if they have good coverage or not. And I think that's smart on offenses, especially Mike Hughes. And, and that's a whole other thing. And I know we'll get into it the defensive coaching stuff, but Mike Hughes has not earned the right to be playing over Rashad Fenton. And that's exactly what happened on that play. Now it was one of the only plays that that happened. It seemed like it seemed like they kind of trusted Fenton for the rest of the game, but for whatever reason on a third and long in, in Kansas city territory, Spags wanted to trot out Mike Hughes against AJ Brown instead of Rashad Fenton. And, and that's what happens. Fenton has been playing really well. Why is he not the one covering their best receiver? I think he's earned the right to do that. And for you to continue to trust a guy that has shown you no reason to re- truly trust him. I mean, Mike Hughes made one play this year, and it was thanks to Daniel Sorensen, uh, the p- the pick against the Browns. Sorensen's the one who made May- Mayfield have that bad of a throw. It wasn't because Hughes had great coverage. He- Baker wasn't throwing there, because and Hughes did have good coverage, I guess I should say. He fronted the guy, but it's like – but it was only because – like, Baker was throwing it away, and and I think we've gone over that since. But, man, it's just it's, – it's, it's ridiculous to me. And that's just a little thing, but Fenton has earned the right to be playing 100% of the snaps as an outside corner. And, and yeah, I get it if you want to trust Ward or Snead over him, but not Mike Hughes. And and that's on the coaching staff. You don't throw him in there on that crucial of a situation. And that's on them. It's not on Mike Hughes, who actually had pretty good coverage on that, honestly. But still, it just wasn't good enough. And I think Fenton would have had a lot better of a chance on that play to break it up. Yeah, it really is about putting the players in the best position to succeed and and hiding their deficiencies. And I think you've got to you've got to put that on the coaching staff. And, you know, Hughes didn't get a lot of reps this week. His his reps were way down with Ward back. But you know, to, for him to be in that situation, for Bolton to be in coverage, you know, the the couple times that he got beat in coverage, you know, Bolton had a great game uh, against the run, coming downhill, doing what he does best. When he's in coverage, you know, it needs to be in a limited capacity. And so the defense just needs to know, or the coaching staff just needs to know the limitations of their own players and not put them in situations to do more than what they're capable of. And that goes back to the whole uh, Dan Sorensen versus Juan Thornhill conversation, right? Dan Sorensen is a limited player. You can be good in limited reps doing limited things, but he's not an every down player and they played him as such and he failed. Uh, predictably failed in that situation. They finally made the change on that. There's a couple other changes they're going to have to make. I think Mike Hughes is probably going to be one of those, uh, one of those potential changes. Something else that really frustrated me about the defense, not only this week, but I think it's been a theme uh, so far this season. Everybody wants to complain about the run defense. Run defense was good this week. Objectively, good. They held Derrick Henry in check. They had tackles for loss. They got on him before he got moving. Uh, holding the Titans to right around 100 yards total rushing, keeping Derrick Henry's average, you know, under four is a substantially good game against the run. Where they've struggled um, has been in two main areas. One, quarterbacks running the football, which wasn't an issue this week, but it has been in, in weeks past. And somehow a complete inability to identify and stop screen plays, uh, on a really pretty regular basis. Yeah, they've blown up a few, but it seems all too often your pass rushers just have no clue 
that a screenplay is coming and your linebackers are standing there watching and just not, not getting there. So uh, I, did you see anything specific this week on, on them struggling against the screen pass or is there an easy fix for that? There's not an easy fix for it because I, and I, and I tweeted it against Washington and then I retweeted it this week right after that heartbreaking, kind of a backbreaking third and 11 screen way when they were way backed up into their own territory that, that gained the first down on third down. When you have unathletic second level defenders like Ben Neiman or just guys that aren't making plays, that's you're going to get hammered by screens. Why wouldn't an opposing offense just hammer a screen when they know Neiman is the lone linebacker in the game and maybe Sorensen too on in those nine personnel packages? If I'm the opposing offense, I'm going after screens all the time when the when the Chiefs are in those situations, those personnel packages. Man, that third and eleven screen. Neiman sees the okay if you're a linebacker and you see the linemen losing their blocks on purpose and starting to move to one side and kind of release on you got to be going right away to blow that up if you watch it man it takes until the ball is in the running back's hands for Neiman to react to the screen that is just awful I mean that's terrible man that is bad defensive IQ just football in general I mean that's some of the easiest reads for a linebacker like that's that should be a linebacker's like favorite play because if anything, you kind of get a head start on the play because the linemen always release a little before the ball is going to get thrown. I mean, you can see it happening, especially at linebacker, man. You you can see it happening. It's 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 crazy to me, man. It, it really is crazy to me um, that Neiman is still. I I I get it. Well, I I don't get it. I guess, but like. It's only those personnel packages that Neiman is in the field and is on the is in the game now. I know Hurt Hitchens is hurt, but on those screen passes, there's got to be someone better. There's got to be a better player in there. And I know the defense doesn't dictate, like we kind of mentioned earlier. Same thing with the Chiefs defense; they don't dictate what the offense is going to run. But you're helping the offense out and letting them run, you know, a play that's vulnerable against a guy like Neiman by keeping Neiman in there and and playing him as much as he played 73% of the snaps on Sunday. And I know Hitch is hurt, like I said, but either way, man, when you have unathletic second level defenders, they're going to mash you with the screen pass. It's just going to happen. Well, um, I don't know if you're feeling better yet, Ryan, but we've certainly aired out all of the issues. Um, and I'm sorry. I'm sure we've missed some. There's, there's definitely been plenty of issues aired out so far. We've talked about the offense, talked about the defense, talked about the coaching staff. We didn't talk much about special teams, but, you know, there's not a whole lot uh, to cover there. When we come back after the break, let's get into some of the bigger picture questions, see if we can find some fixes to some of these things, uh, whether it's personnel in-house or out-of-house and changes going down down the road. So please stick with us. Uh, We're going to get to hopefully some some answers or some productive uh, talk about what could change in the future on the Out of Structure podcast right after this break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. This is Matt Stagner with Ron Cobb Jr. We've gone through 
all of the issues that you all have identified on Twitter and probably some more. Uh, we know there's more issues out there. We know there's more we could talk about from this last devastating loss of the Chiefs uh, against the Tennessee Titans. But let's go a little bit big picture and identify, you know, the the challenges the front office has had and where the blame might lie there. There's been a lot of questions here. Uh, Chinese Buffet 3 on Twitter, when are you all going to point the fingers at Beach? Uh, Xavier Garza, is it too early to put the coaches and the GM on the hot seat? Uh, Jack Dubach, uh, how many years before Beach gets fired uh, by Clark? And how many years before Spags gets gets fired by Andy? Um, So all these questions about the front office, I think, pop up after every loss. And we just went through all the different things that we think the coaching staff has done that are not putting the players in the best position to succeed, how we're getting less out of all the talent than we expected to see at this point. Do you think if the front office sat down today and evaluated the moves that they've made and the roster that they've built, do you think the front office believes that they have done something wrong? See, and this is where you guys need to, you know, just stick with us and let us talk it out because isn't it kind of you, you need your reaction to say like, oh, yeah, of, of course, there's some things Veach has done wrong and 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 you can call them out. And then you kind of look through them and you're like, well, I would have made that move. And yeah, I was cool with that move, too. And, you know, one of the only moves you can really have a huge complaint about right now because of just the price that he's that he has right now and how and compared to how he's playing is Frank Clark. Yet. Frank Clark played a pretty dang important role and went in this team winning a Super Bowl. And Sags, I, I love the point you make all the time about how you kind of just have to pay guys what their, you know, what their market is kind of what the market's kind of saying they need to be paid, or in terms of like signing a guy and hey, you traded for him. That was kind of the deal. You needed to sign him, and he has the leverage to ask for the most pass rush money in the league. So all that to say. I, I really don't think Veach has done a bad job of and what moves he's made. I mean, I would have done the Orlando Brown trade too as well. We needed a left tackle. You weren't going to get a guy that you could really trust in the first round. Get a guy that you've seen play in the NFL before. And hey, and and I guess we do have some Brown questions, so I can maybe save it for then. So, and and just other things too. I mean, it is a cornerback position, and and he really hasn't done that, and it's kind of come back to bite him a little bit here. Stags, do you have any takes on the cornerback position in terms of, of Brett Veach? Yeah, you know, they, they've been able to get away with that in the past because the pass rush was good. Um, but I think the biggest counterpoint for me on the corner investment so far is that they have a handful of corners that can play. We pointed out already that the coaching staff maybe has just not used them in the right way, um, that players like Fenton need to be, you know, pressing on the outside. I would argue that maybe Legereus Sneed is better in his roaming nickel interior uh, role as opposed to being an outside corner full-time. So I think some of it's about how they use the the talent that they have. Um, The cornerback investment, the low investment in corner, hasn't really been that big of an issue up until now. Yeah, exactly. No, and, and that's why it's like you talk this out and you're like, well, dang, do I really disagree with anything he's really done? Because... And they won a Super Bowl with low investment at cornerback. I mean, Bashad Breeland was was a godsend for this team as a one-year vet, you know, on one-year deals back-to-back years in, in those two years where he, he helped them go to two straight Super Bowls. So that's where it's just kind of weird with Brett Veach. You just 
you you want to complain about something and then you look through it and you're like, well, he's kind of done his job pretty dang well. He's put this team in position to win a Super Bowl and they just they aren't executing. So it's just kind of this weird thing. And and I do think he could have done better in terms of draft picks. I think some of his draft classes haven't been great. But at the same time, he put together the Super Bowl team. He helped put together that Super Bowl team. He helped that team extend into another Super Bowl. And now they're kind of falling flat on their face this year. But it's really hard to build a, te- a, a team that's going to go to back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls, man. It really is. And so that's why I wouldn't fire him until he gets maybe another shot at putting together another Super Bowl team. And I think if the season keeps going south like it is, he's going to get another shot at kind of you know rebuilding a team like he did after t- 2018 and making him into a Super Bowl contender again. You know, I, I think you could criticize – you talked about the pass rushers. I, I see the criticism around Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Jaron Reed, frankly, all three of them not getting the production that you would hope. Uh, I think that's valid. Um, you know, some of that's been health related. Obviously Clark hasn't stayed healthy and if Clark had been healthy this entire time, who knows what his production would be. Uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. there. Same with Chris Jones. You can complain about his production this season. Uh, the guy just hasn't been right. Uh, the, you know, the not being able to use his hand, uh, really setting back, I think. You know, you could also complain on the GM front about the fact that they they haven't gotten as much value out of the draft, or they haven't had as many blue chip players come out of the draft. Partially because they trade away their first round pick damn near every year. So if you're hardly ever picking in the first round, you're missing out on a lot of potential blue chip type players. I saw a fun what if on Twitter. There was a a guy solely had suggested that the Chiefs should have stuck with Mike Remmers at left tackle and and drafted uh, with their first round pick instead of trading for Orlando Brown. There was others who have had that same conversation. Maybe instead of trading for Brown, you use that first round pick on a pass rusher and, and piece somebody else in at left tackle. I still have a lot of faith in Orlando Brown, and I think the guy is going to come around. He's 25 years old. They haven't signed him to the long-term contract. He's still in that prove-it phase. He's only given up what we've figured about three sacks this year, two of those versus the Titans on basically the same uh, the same sequence. Um, so, you know, had a bad game, doesn't make him a bad player. And I think that trade is probably going to pay off in the end. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, it is a little frustrating to see other teams capitalizing on first-round draft picks that are highly productive and blue-chip-type players, and the Chiefs just simply haven't had very many swings uh, ever, ever since they drafted Mahomes, obviously, uh, at that blue-chip first-round talent. Yeah, and I think Pete Sweeney makes this point a lot. Um, the fact that even if you are getting first round picks when you're in the thirties, you know, the 29, 28, 29, 30, 30, you know, those picks, are you really picking a first round talent? Because there's only, you, you ask any NFL draft evaluator, you don't, there's only about 20 first round talents, uh, at each year, there's just 32 first round picks. So, you know, you're still not really getting those blue chip guys, even at the bottom of the draft. So that's always kind of been the justification for trading away those picks, but, Either way, you know, it is it is a lot, you know, you, you get a better chance of getting a talented player in the 20s rather than the 50s or the 60s. So, hey, are, are you pointing of, out the silver lining to this slump that all of a sudden maybe the Chiefs <laughs> are going to pick in the teens this year and they're going to get a blue chip player out of it? I, I didn't look it up, but I, I guarantee you right now they're picking in the teens. If the, the year <laughs> ended today, they might be picking closer to the tens uh, with with how many good teams are in the in the league this year. So well, we'll get to the yeah. draft in a minute, but let's let's talk about the trade deadline. Henry Matthews on Twitter asked, 
is Brett Veach going to be a seller at the trade deadline? Well, in order to be a seller, you have to have assets that, that other teams want to buy. And we looked through the list of the roster and tried to identify players that are either on the last year of their contract or they're a young player on a rookie deal that may have some trade value. And frankly, it's not an impressive list um, unless they go full on fire sale, you know, burn it all down, start from scratch, you know, and trade Tyron Matthew and, uh, you know, Juan Thornhill and, and, and players like that. They could do that. Uh, I don't see them doing that. I don't see a reason to do that as long as you have Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Hill and, and the talent that they've invested in this team. It would be pretty shocking to see them burn it all down. I don't think that they believe that they're in a rebuild. So I don't see them being major sellers. Um, are there any guys on this list that you think could get traded away at the trade deadline? And if so, what does that tell us about the team? Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. They have to admit they're sellers to be selling anybody. And that kind of is a hard pill to swallow as a front office this early in the season to kind of say, hey, we're just not going to be winning the Super Bowl this year. And so it, it is kind of tough that way. But one guy that makes a lot of sense, right? LDT. And, and, and you know, I, I think you made this point is that it's not really selling. I mean, because you have too many linemen anyway. Even if you're a contending team, get a draft pick back for a guy that's not going to be playing for you. So that's an easy option. I think Jaron Reed actually does make sense, though, because he is starting to come on strong a little more than he has all season. And if they truly are, you know, if they kind of think they're not uh, going to win a Super Bowl and they don't really need him necessarily, it's not like you have a lot of loyalty to Jaron Reed. He's been here for, you know, half a year. And, you know, you might you probably weren't really signing him after this year anyway. I mean, you could have maybe, but he, he's almost 32. So just as these rentals for other contenders, you know, I think. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch, maybe like Blake Bell, you know, maybe a team wants a blocking tight end, that kind of thing. Um, I I don't really want to say any of the younger guys because that really admits that they are selling and that they're not, you know, maybe a guy like Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson, maybe a, te- a team with a wide receiver need wants to kind of, you know, just, <laughs> but, just get a guy. But, but that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. They aren't playing. If, if <laughs> what, selling, what team wants Demarcus Robinson or Byron Bringle right if now? If you're selling Demarcus Robinson and LDT, you're not really selling. Uh, you, you might yeah. be getting better uh, yeah. by making those two trades. And so, yeah, I, I think that makes me think that this team, first of all, I think I asked you the question right up front. Do you think the front office is going to admit that they've been wrong? Um, to admit they've been wrong would be to to admit that they're sellers at the deadline and they're not going anywhere this season uh, and give up on some of these players. I don't think they're doing that. I still think it's more likely that they're buyers at the deadline and, and with some hope that they're still going to turn this thing around. So if they were to be buyers, what positions, what players would help? Yeah, so position-wise, it's obvious, I, in my opinion. I think you just got – you'd love to find another pass rusher. Although, like like we've kind of been already saying, I think a pass rush is getting better and better as the weeks have went on a little bit um, with Frank Clark coming back. But uh, one guy that really comes to mind is Emmanuel Ogba um, from the Dolphins, former chief. So kind of, you know, maybe wish they would have kept him around uh, (laughs) after the 2019 season when he got hurt in the middle of the year. Looked like the Chiefs' best edge rusher at times during that year. So, um, but hey, that shouldn't restrict you from making that move again. If the Dolphins are going to be fire selling at, at the deadline this year, 
Maybe they take on a lot of his seven, I think it was about $7 million in caps or cap hit this year. Maybe the Dolphins take some of that on. Besides him and maybe Josh Allen from Jacksonville, I think that might take a little more to get from uh, get from Jacksonville, although they could be selling pretty hard. Melvin Ingram from Pittsburgh, that's another situation where the Chiefs had a chance to sign him without needing to trade for him. But again, that shouldn't prevent you from making that move now because I think Ingram would be a great piece to add. And then what about, uh, you know, just to finish off the edge rushers and then we can get into other positions, but what about Olivier Vernon, who I know got hurt at the end of last year, but has that, has that familiarity with Spags. Is just a free agent. You know, he's not on a team right now. So that would just be signing somebody. Maybe that's one way they go. And, may, and that doesn't have to be a trade deadline thing. That could be later in the season, too. So I'd, I'd watch out for that one. I think that could be a sneaky one that they pull later. Yeah, I definitely think they're they're still hunting for help on the defensive line, especially somebody they can get to the quarterback. Uh, they'll, they'll look at Vernon, hopefully, when he's healthy. Um, I bet they're going to explore some of these other edge rushers, Dante Fowler, you know, um, you know, Manny Agba. So some of those guys, are, Josh Allen, I think would be the most exciting of all the group because he's still a young player with a ton of upside. Uh, Josh Allen being the edge, not the quarterback, obviously. Uh, other positions that have been rumored, obviously Marlon Mack, the running back's been in the rumors for the Chiefs. Now they're not that far away from Clyde probably coming back. So I, I think the longer you wait on Marlon Mack, the less likely it is that they they would add a guy like that. Um, there is Devontae Parker from the Dolphins, uh, who'd be an interesting wide receiver compliment. Uh, old acquaintance Juju Smith-Schuster, who uh, might be available at the deadline. Um, and, and again, we're leaning on the Dolphins pretty heavy here, but Xavier Howard has been rumored to be a, a salary dump for them. And if there's the Chiefs could work something out there, I think that would be, that would be an interesting add, even though we just argued that they have some cornerback talent on the team. He's he's a top tier player. You don't really uh, you don't really turn your nose up at that if the opportunity presented itself. No, absolutely not. And and I think a couple of those players you mentioned, it, it does make sense. You know, it, it does. You could see the Chiefs. You know, Brett Veach is an aggressive guy, and that's why you know these 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 are possible. But on the Marlon Mack point, real quick, I do want to say that we kind of missed out on maybe criticizing Veach for the Clyde pick maybe a little bit. Cause I'll, I'll say it, you know, I, I think that's a pretty bad pick when you account for the fact that that was one of their only first round picks. Like we were kind of saying, they don't really have a lot of them. The one time you do have one, use it on a running back that really isn't really making a difference in your offense. I think that's kind of, I think that's, that should be a, a mark on his resume. I think. Yeah. it's That's a popular take. And, and the, my only counterpoint again is that Clyde's been productive. Uh, he was coming off of two 100-yard games before he got hurt. Uh, the guys, he, he was a very productive player last year in the end. He's not a dynamic, explosive, you know, home run hitter like we like you'd want to see probably. Uh, and that's that's the best case. I, I'm never excited about taking running backs early because I think you, you've seen so much success from the third round uh, and later in running back position. So I could see that point. I don't think Clyde is a problem. I think the guy is a good player. And I think he's a, he when this offense is when he's back, this offense is going to be better than it is without him. This baloney about Daryl Williams somehow being better than Clyde is <laughs> to go. That's that's not that's not true. It's not a thing. Uh, you know, I like some of the things Daryl Williams has done, but Clyde is the best back on this team, and it's not really that close. 
they they should be compliments. The coaching staff should be able to use those guys. But but I'll I'll take the criticism on drafting any running back in the first round. Uh, and and if you do that, you open yourself up to say if this guy isn't Derrick Henry, if this guy isn't an elite player, then you're opening yourself up for for that criticism and, and rightfully so. Yeah, I just think the the main thing with that is yeah, Clyde has been the best back, but. I think a lot you could have found a back later in the draft or just at a lower price, maybe in, in general, in terms of how much a first round pick costs you over the years, you could, you could find lower investment that would probably have similar production as what Clive's done yeah. with the run blocking. That's that we've seen this year. The run blocking has been really good. And I think a lot of players would have been able to get a hundred yards back to back in those two games. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to the draft. Um, I think this is the time of year when, really bad teams start to look at the look at the draft or at least the fans of really bad teams start looking towards the draft as something to look forward to. And I I don't blame any chiefs fans who are starting to head that direction. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I'm getting close. Um, So uh, KS chaser um, asked, so are we drafting a wide receiver two, a defensive end, a coverage linebacker or cornerback in the first and Garrett B lane, what are some good draft prospects uh, that we can start watching, maybe even if they're top 15? I don't think either of us have gotten deep into draft prospects as of yet, but let's just talk position-wise. What do you think the priority should be if the draft were right now, if the season were over right now, where's the priority position position? Man, it's a toss – or not a toss-up, but I have a hard time choosing between two. Um, I think I would right now lean towards defensive end. I think a first round pass rushing defensive end would really, really be nice. You see guys like Odafa Owe, formerly Jason Owe on the Ravens now. Gregory Russo was picked by the Bills at the end of the first round. That kind of kills you, man, because if you could get an effective pass rushing defensive end on a rookie deal for the next four or five years, that really, really is nice. <laughs> Not paying. You know, but, uh, you know, on the flip side, we're paying a guy uh, to have, you know, decent production and decent's probably a stretch a little bit. Uh, but Frank Clark, and he's one of the highest paid players. You know, if Clark was on a rookie deal, we'd be a lot happier with what he's been doing in his in his tenure here in Kansas City so far. But pass rush first, but wide receiver is another one. I think the Chiefs need another difference maker at wide receiver besides Tyreek Hill. And I know Travis Kelsey is always like, hey, he's the second wide receiver, right, technically. But he's a tight end, okay? And and they still use him as a tight end a lot of the time in terms of over the middle, you know, what kind of routes he runs. The Chiefs need another difference-making wide receiver that can make plays on his own, get open on his own, create separation consistently, you know, be a guy that could get 100 yards a game if he's asked to do so, not necessarily every game, but just in, when the game plan asks for him to step up, he can. I think Sammy Watkins could do that. Just he was he was wasn't healthy a lot, but now you're seeing what happens when this team doesn't have another difference maker at wide receiver. And I know Mahomes should make the other receivers better, but if but at the same time, the offensive line is set in terms of the future. I know that you know we're hoping they can get a little better and stuff. Get him another weapon, man, and I think that that could really help. And so I think wide receiver might be. I might flip to wide receiver by the time we get to the draft. Whether that's my favorite position to uh, pick what about you stags what are you thinking about draft wise yeah I, I think pass rusher adding a blue chip talent um that can get after the quarterback um one of the early draft 
projections that I've seen or mock drafts that I've seen from the draft network. Uh, they gave the Chiefs Zach Harrison, who's a 6'6", 268-pound pass rusher from Ohio State. Uh, I think that's, again, not having watched a, a ton of college football tape. Um, I don't want to get too far into the names, but that type of player I think would be appealing to add to this rotation, You know, especially if the Chiefs do make some tough decisions about moving on from some of the players they've they've got on the roster, like a Frank Clark this offseason, you're going to need a, a, you know, a keystone pass rusher. And so I think that's the priority uh, by far. I could see receiver. Uh, I could see corner, even though, like you said, they haven't really invested there. A lot of people are asking about another, another linebacker, somebody who can play in coverage, which, you know, that's a frustrating one because they've got Willie Gay Jr. who should be that guy. You've got Nick Bolden who's showing up now in, in a different type of role. Um, I, I don't know if they go out and add another coverage linebacker specifically. Uh, I'd love to see, and this is not a first-round pick generally, but I'd love to see him have one of those old Steve Spagnolo Sam linebackers that can get after the quarterback. You can usually get them in the mid-rounds of the draft, uh, but somebody who's versatile but can really rush the passer uh, in a legitimate way, not in a, a, a blitzing kind of way. Um, that would be a nice uh, chess piece that he could use on that defense. They just really need, they really need to get to the quarterback more than just about anything else um, other than figuring out some of the, the stupid issues that they've had getting to the quarterback from a talent standpoint is probably what you want to invest in. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I'm still a believer just in general football terms that, you, you know, I, I, I build a defense in, from front to back in terms of I want a strong defensive line. And then as long as that's set, then I'll worry about building my back end, my secondary. And I know I think that waffles a little bit. I think the team, the Chiefs, how they play this year is kind of a case for both in terms of, yeah, sometimes if you don't have any pass rush, no matter who your cornerbacks are, they suck. But at the same time, you know, if you don't have good covers and your pass, so it's like, that's a that's a weird part about this year's Chiefs, man. I mean, no level of the defense is helping each other out whatsoever. It's kind of it's just unprecedented almost. But it's anyway. whack-a-mole. I'm telling you, it's whack-a-mole. Yeah. With different problems on this team. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about some of these things, but really quick before we sign off here, let's go through what can they do without making personal moves, just in house with the guys they have, with the coaching staff they have. What are some things that they can do? Cutting down on penalties and turnovers has to be at the top of that list. If you, the penalties really extended a lot of drives for the Titans this week and, and set them back uh, on the, the few productive offensive drives that the Chiefs had. That's just sloppiness. That's discipline. It's, it's coaching. Uh, that can be fixed. Um, obviously, we've been saying that for seven games already. They have to find a way to cut down on turnovers. But those two things, big picture – Solve that, and this season gets back on the tracks. Uh, but as far as personnel moves, is there anything that you see in-house that they could swap one player out for another and make a difference? Yeah, I think the thing is there's not a lot of, like, drastic moves to make, like, in terms of, like, maybe sitting down a guy that is one of your top snap getters. I think they already made that move in terms of Sorensen. But one th- one thing I'll, I'll, I'll get into, I think, is, is hey, I know Mike Remmers might – have looked like the best option maybe right now, but just getting Yang back in there, man. I mean, 
they both they both look pretty similar. And I'm I, I, I'd rather get the young guy more experience and more experience next to Trey Smith in terms of moving forward into the future. I'd rather kind of live with the the lumps of that instead of seeing Remmers. You know, Remmers did not have a good game against Tennessee, so I think if that's the case, I'd just keep Niang in there. Yeah, you know, I, I I'd say Ben Neiman too. I know they've gotten his snap downs too, snaps down too, and I know he's playing. You know, Hitchens is hurt, so it's kind of un- unavoidable. But man, take the chance with O'Daniel. He's in his last year of his rookie deal. You really haven't ever given him much of a chance at all to show that he can play defense. I mean, I get it. Maybe in practice, he's just showing enough to where they're like, this dude can't play on game day. But just give him a little bit more of a chance. I just think the more athleticism, the more speed you can have on the defense right now, the better, even if it lacks maybe the the uh, experience in the system. And so yeah. that's one another move I'd make. I'm okay with players being, you know, guessing wrong if they can get there fast, right? Like right. For, yeah. for too many years, they've had this idea that, you know, somebody has to be a uh, know the defense, know the offense inside and out and be the cerebral player. I'm okay with a guy reading, reacting, and just flying around the field. And and I think you you have some guys that can do that. They just you have some other guys who are, are blocking the way. Um, we talked about this one earlier. I think uh, reducing Mike Hughes' snaps. Uh, he didn't have a lot of snaps this week with Ward and Fenton back, uh, but I think maybe giving DeAndre Baker another chance uh, at, at Hughes' snaps might be something I would consider. I'd let Legarius Sneed play uh, again on that the inside nickel roaming safety hybrid type role where he can move around and make some plays. Um, one change that everybody's been asking about is can they get Chris Jones back inside? They, they did a little bit more this week. I just saw a status about 30% of his snaps were a defensive tackle this week, uh, 70% outside of the snaps that Chris Jones played. Um, that's down from, from 90, 10 in, in, in previous weeks. So, a little bit more Jones inside isn't going to hurt anybody, and I, I think we'll all be happy with that if that leads to more production. Uh, any other any other quick fixes here? No, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to get Clyde back. Um, you know, we talked about Demarcus Robinson. You know, what is he really giving you out on the field any at, at this time? You know, I mean, you might as well just have Josh Gordon play a lot more and. You know, I think I get why maybe Gordon hasn't been playing as much when these game scripts have turned into, oh, the Chiefs are playing from behind. You know, maybe the the offensive staff just trusts D-Rob and Pringle more when they kind of really need to, you know, make every play count and they they don't have a margin for error anymore. But, man, I'm kind of past that at the same time, you know, the more I talk through it. Just because D-Rob, even when he, you know, he's playing almost 80% of the snaps and really not seeing any targets. When he does see a target, it's either a drop or, you know, hey, there's a holding penalty at times that kills the team. What's what's the harm in just giving Josh Gordon all those snaps? And, 100%, and- man. I, I was frustrated this week just seeing, uh, you know, the flow of the game. He had one target, and that was on that first drive when there was an interception, right, or the second drive. Um, Josh Gordon has not been involved yet. I don't know what it's going to take to get him involved, but you had garbage time this week. If, the, if it, you just needed on-field snaps – to get used to the offense should have done it in garbage time, but going forward. Yeah. You want to shake things up, uh, put Robinson inactive and give his snaps to Gordon. I mean, make, make it a, a full on switch out to say, this is, this is the guy going forward. You want explosion. You want somebody that can get open. You got, want somebody that can make contested catches. Uh, Josh Gordon can do that. I don't care if Mahomes has to tell him what route to run. 
on every play in the huddle. Be like Gordon, running out. He could he could run a route. Just you know, I don't know how much of the offense he need, needs to know before he's involved. Uh, but get him involved. Same with Jarek McKinnon. Uh, the guy should be an explosive player. They have not given him any opportunities to be ex- explosive. So use him in the right way. Get him involved, you know, on, on screens, on on wheel routes. Uh, get him, get him some runs on, on the outside. Let him do what he does best. You know, mix it up a little bit. I think it's again the run game works because the blocking's been good, but they've been too predictable still, and not explosive enough. And, and McKinnon might be part of the answer to that. Um, I I don't know what else. Um, I, I think. You know, on the defensive line, maybe you get Josh Kando back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe he he can show a little something. Um, you know, a lot of people have been calling for Jaron Reed's head. I, I I feel like he's been better than than others have said. What do you think? Yeah, so I I, I do think the more I think about it, maybe a, a good thing to shake up too is just in general, just giving the younger guys more chances. And I think you know, or I know we already talked about Niang, so that's one example, but. Hey, how good how good did Bolton play this week? Even when Hitchens comes back, man, I'd keep Bolton in there. Yep. And and that and that also goes to in terms of Colin Saunders, who had a really good game against the Titans. Man, I I like like we like you just said, and we've been talking about Reed's been playing better. At the same time, maybe just rotating Saunders in more. Saunders really doesn't get a lot of snaps, and I think he's he's a young guy that's been around the the program that you kind of want to. You know, you kind of want to keep seeing what you got in him, and 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 Reed is a guy you just signed this offseason. and so maybe give Saunders more opportunity. Just any of the younger players that are showing anything in terms of you know, like and and I think Fenton fits into that category. Why? Are, and, and I think they're going to continue to give Fenton chances, but why are you giving Hughes chances? A guy you just signed over Fenton, who you've developed into this player, show off that play you've developed. I just. I think that's one thing is just don't be afraid to give these younger guys a shot, even if it means at the expense of a veteran that maybe was supposed to be better than they were at this point. That's my overall takeaway at this point. If I had to put, you know, one one idea at where I am with the Chiefs at this point in the season is why not go with the youth movement at this point? See what you've got in some of these young guys. It's because it works both ways. If you think this team can get back in this thing, if you think this team can make a run later in the season getting those guys snaps now is only going to help them contribute later this season if you think this season's over then start developing for the future either way let's let's mix it up a little bit let's get the young guys involved and again see what you've got and and if there's a criticism of this team that they haven't collected enough talent let's let's find out whether they have or not and if they if it's a coaching staff issue and they haven't developed that talent well enough, then we're going to find out, get those young guys on the field and, and see if they develop and see what you've got. And I think that's, that's the best possible productive, you know, constructive idea that I can think of going forward. Yeah. And, and last thing before we close out here is I think we are a loss or two away from that really becoming the case of where the team just kind of abandons, you know, a lot of the veterans and, and does start a youth movement. I think, first of all, if they lose to the giants, I think it happens right then. I don't think that's the case. Um, I'm pretty confident that they'll, they'll come out Monday night at home against the giants and play well. But if, if they win that game and maybe lose the next two, you know, if they lose to the Cowboys and uh, Packers, or I guess the Raiders are in between that, but 
just two of those three games that that Cowboys Packers Raiders lineup. I think that's when it really I think they'll really commit to the fact that this isn't the year and we're going to start planning for 2022 as crazy as it is to say that could happen by the bye week. Yeah, I mean, every week's a must win game when you put your backs against the wall like this team has. But yeah, the, this season is 100 percent over if they lose to the Giants. So there's your preview for next week. Um, <laughs> don't lose to the Giants if you want to see anything else happen uh, this season. Either way, start developing your players, start putting them, putting those young guys on the field, getting them the valuable snaps, see what you've got. Best case scenario, yeah, a bunch of Nick Boltons emerge, right? So worst case scenario, uh, the young guys fail. Hell, the veterans are failing too. So let's <laughs> let's give them a shot. Um, thank you guys for sticking with us, for going through this exercise of, of airing out all of our complaints and our concerns about this team. It's something we have to do as Chiefs fans. We've been through a lot over the, the decades uh, of uh, futility that this team has been through. And maybe it hurts worse now because they're they're expected to be so good. Uh, but we understand. We're there with you guys. Hang in there. Keep listening to all the podcasts and on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Visit us on arrowheadpride.com and read uh, the great work that Ron and the other analysts on the team are doing. And we'd love to hear you back listening with us, asking questions again next week, uh, hopefully discussing a Chiefs win or at least a team getting back on track. Uh, here on the Out of Structure podcast. Thanks again for spending your time with us, and it can only get better from here, right? Right. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week.